Portobello Talk Radio, calling out across London and the rest of the world from the heart of Flatville Grove. Right. Um, so, good evening, everybody, and um, I'm really, really pleased to have Jonas Stahl and Jan Fermon with us today, um, and they're going to be discussing with us uh, a really, really fascinating project um, called Collectivize Facebook. Um, obviously, over lockdown, everyone's moved digitally and has been doing lots of digital things, and I think maybe the first thing to do is for um, Jonas to tell us a little bit about himself and Jan about himself, and then maybe discuss a little bit about the project, and then we can just have a free-form discussion about it. How does that sound, guys? That's fine with me. Great. Perfect. So I'm Jonas Tal. I'm a, I'm a visual artist and propaganda researcher. Uh, a lot of my work is uh, directed at thinking of the role of art in shaping alternative institutions. So this can be an artwork that takes the form of a parliament for a stateless and blacklisted organization, a project titled New World Summit, where Jan Vermon, as a human rights lawyer, has also been involved many times. Uh, but I also organize art projects in the form of training camps, training camps to, um, to, to redistribute knowledge and competence and tactics when it comes to uh, reclaiming the means of production of our, of our present day world. We call it the utopian training camp, training for the future, um, that involves hackers, extraterritorial activists, um, uh, communalists, etc., etc. And one of the most recent projects, the project that we will be discussing now, is the project I developed with Jan Collectivize Facebook, a, a lawsuit against Facebook, but uh, a lawsuit that also will serve as a model for future lawsuits that we're uh, conceptualizing against other trillion dollar companies. Amazing. Um, so, <clears throat> um, how, Jan, um, can you give us a little bit of, uh, of um, insight into your background and maybe how you and Jonas met as well? Well, I'm a lawyer. I've been practicing law since uh, 1989 um, in Brussels, in Belgium. Um, I've been working um, a lot on matters of uh, human rights law, uh, but also um, international law, people's rights law. Um, I've been representing uh, um, some uh, progressive people who uh, ended up, for example, in the European um, uh, terrorist listing, the founder of the Communist Party of the Philippines, uh, Jose Maria Sison. And that's actually how um, I think we met uh, through uh, the case of uh, Joma Sison. Um, Jonas organized a, a session uh, in Holland um, on uh, this uh, um, case um, in the framework of a project where he was uh, um, giving the floor uh, to um, voices that were silenced through the anti-terrorism law. Um, and so while I was at that time the lead lawyer for Joma Sison in the European Court of Justice, um, we met and we started working together on, uh, well, actually cases or situations of people's rights and uh, human rights or the combination of both. Uh, then uh, later on, we also m met in some odd uh, circumstances, for example, uh, we ran into each other uh, in the streets of Manila uh, in the Philippines while we were both in a demonstration. 
Uh, we also ran into each other um, in uh, uh, North Syria uh, while Jonas was working on a project with the Kurdish uh, Autonomous uh, Authority there. And I was advising them on uh, some legal matters. And so we met there. So we've been running into each other in various parts of the world and working together on various projects. So when Jonas uh, uh, came up with this project about Facebook um, uh, and actually uh, told me that he wanted to formulate it as a, as a, as a law case, as a legal case, um, it was obvious for me that we, we, should have, we should work together on this. Absolutely. Um, that's very interesting that you talk about uh, Kurdistan as, as well and, um, and Rahava. Um, the founder of this project, um, Tim Burke, uh, used to run a, a pop-up cinema in uh, North Kensington. Um, and he hosted a, a Kurdish uh, film festival every year um, mm. for many years. Um, but <clears throat> I suppose Facebook is, is, is present in its ubiquity, isn't it? Um, and you mentioned uh, uh, the, the Philippines, for instance, it, and there, there are issues there with people being able to use Facebook because of how it works. Is that, is, am, I, am, I, am I right in, in, in what I'm thinking about there? Um, yes, Jonas, you want to? I, I, from, from our uh, research and uh, indictments uh, that Jan formulated, we attract some of Facebook's activity in advising the Duterte regime. Uh, that is currently in, in place in the in the Philippines that has been responsible for tens of thousands of extrajudicial killings in the so-called uh, war on drugs and it is currently trying to push what they call an anti-terrorist law uh, which very much modeled after the um, let's say extra legal foundations of the war on terror mainly seems to be aimed to quickly um, uh, arrest dissidents and uh, people that are that are so-called uh, so, uh, that are the victims of so-called red tagging. So they are placed in the framework of uh, anti or of, uh, of uh, armed communist forces and uh, and the like. Um, but Duterte has has mainly benefited from Facebook from advising um, advices he received on the on the level of his campaign and actually his main communication before he started to try to control um, the the um, uh, public media. Uh, in the Philippines, his main communication tool was Facebook because this was a, a space for which he could unfiltered, in an unfiltered way, control his media appearance uh, in relationship to the population. So, in the case of the, in the context of the Philippines, uh, and and which also became famous for its use of troll armies uh, in the in the Duterte campaign, uh, harassment in the form of doxing and other online uh, online strategies of shaming and silencing. Um, I think the Philippines is mainly an example of the benefits that authoritarian-leaning uh, regimes have from this particular corporation, both in direct advice uh, and also in terms of their use of the infrastructure. And <clears throat> uh, in, in many ways also the Philippine economy benefits from Facebook because of so many, and Facebook benefits because of so many um, employees that they have there in, uh, in the 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 farm if, if you like the I, I can't um in the, the click farm the click farm the click farms yeah that's that's um and tell tell me a little bit about why how how art and law intersect here um is it a is it a legal case it is a legal case do you think you're going to win 
And if you do win, what does that mean? And um, yeah, that's a really interesting um, dichotomy there. That I'd, I'd, I'd love you to, to both talk about from the artistic standpoint and the legal standpoint, what it is that this case means, represents. Jan? If you want to, yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, well, um, uh, is it the legal case? Yes, it's 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 a legal case, and uh, actually, we uh, uh, well from the very beginning, we both agreed that if uh, we gave this the form of a legal case, that we also wanted a sound legal argument. Huh? Yeah. Um, that we really want to make it uh, uh, strong on the legal on the legal argument. Um, the idea is to actually submit this to the Human Rights Council in Geneva um, because um, we think that the main problem, there, there have been a lot of discussions about the influence of Facebook on, um, on matters of privacy, etc., huh? which are of course real and which are real problems. But our feeling was that uh, the problems of Facebook go far beyond that, and that um, uh, Facebook actually uh, has such a decisive influence on the lives of people hmm, that actually it affects um, the right to self-determination, which is the right which is enshrined in two uh, major UN uh, human rights covenants. Um, very often, um, the right to self-determination is interpreted restrictively as the right to have an, a state or a right to secession, which actually it's not. It goes far beyond that. It's actually the right for people to have control over all the important levers of their economic, political, uh, social, cultural life. People have the right to decide um, uh, over their own fates. Hmm? Uh, and so Facebook has, in very various ways, has a uh, very strong influence on that. Hmm? Uh, data have been defined as the new oil, as the new strategic uh, 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 raw material, actually. Hmm? Um, which means that it has a decisive influence on the rest of the economy. Uh, controlling data has more and more uh, an important role in controlling uh, the economy. Facebook actually uh, provokes a shift in uh, labor relations because um, actually we have people here providing the new raw material that is like the engine of the whole economy, data, but doing that without getting any salary or compensation for it. The only compensation they get is access to the platform. So we thought that had a decisive um, uh, role also on labor relations and on economic uh, questions. We already uh, discussed a moment ago the influence Facebook can have on political decisions and on the choice and the possibility for a regime like the Duterte regime to influence society. So it has such a central role that actually if you allow one company or a few companies to have such decisive role, both on the economy, on the political uh, matters, then actually you are in a situation where the right to self-determination, understood as the right to have the levers of your own existence in your own hands, uh, is very compromised. Uh, mm -hmm. 
the Human Rights Council in Geneva is actually the one who is uh, in charge, it's the international body uh, in charge of uh, uh, assessing and controlling uh, the respect for those two uh, covenants, the covenants on political and uh, um, uh, civil rights and the covenant on economic and social rights. And so the logical thing to do was to draft an indictment showing that uh, Facebook had this major impact on uh, negative impact on the right to self-determination and then to address it to the body that is um, uh, in charge of in the international community to, to, to look into this. Shall we win it? Well, um, uh, like any kind of legal case that is uh, actually, I would say, uh, a fight for... Um, uh, extension or for uh, better uh, implementation of uh, human rights and people's rights. Uh, it's of course a matter of discussing, gathering forces, building up uh, pressure and then trying to get things moving. And so that's of course what the indictment is about. Uh, I don't think Jonas and I have any illusion that some judge will say, oh, Stahl and Furman uh, have a good uh, argument there, I just uh, take the decision, hammer the decision and finished. That's of course not the way it's going to, to go. Uh, but our aim is to trigger the discussion on this matter by bringing it not just as a factual or a political or an activist, from an activist point of view, but to say actually, well, this is really, this has an impact on rights that are already enshrined in international legal instruments. And I think from my point of view, that's also law. Huh? Law is not only about applying small rules. Law is also about, about uh, triggering the discussion on society and the way the rules in society function. So that's the legal point of view. <laughs> and hereby it was handed over for the artistic, <laughs> for the artistic point of view. I mean, the reason to, to the reason to work with Jan also has to do with the fact, of course, he's he's a lawyer. I'm an artist, but uh, I, I found in Jan someone who is is an extremely is extremely imaginatively driven because it's about in, interpreting and reinterpreting laws that often are based are are founded on extremely conservative or, or reactionary principles and to reinterpret them and to replace them in a context to build a precedent a narrative of precedent where suddenly something becomes possible that that law might have never been uh, used for. So it, it also has to do with, with rereading history and reapplying history and especially the right to self-determination um, as, as Jan already introduced it and as Jan always emphasizes is also a heritage of the anti-colonial struggle. And, and in a way it might be the law, the, the, the least enacted law because it relates to self-determination not just in terms of being recognized as an independent state but also having the agency, the sovereign agency to decide over one's own form of life of course, under the current human rights paradigm, this is not at all the case because elections need to be monitored externally. The IMF is first on the is is uh, is the first one to knock on your door uh, when you are trying to establish one form of independence or another. So this this <laughs> the shift also from the right to self determination as an anti colonial heritage and and the more generic human rights uh, framework is is also there's also a conflict tension there. And I, I see Jan's work as being extremely creative in working that through. When it comes to this case, uh, of course, one component is the legal component. It's the, the procedural approach. Jan already uh, emphasized uh, our, um, our um, 
indictment focuses on uh, on, on, on the, the misuse of data workers, of unpaid data workers by Facebook, its impact on privacy, on surveillance, advising uh, authoritarian regimes, etc., etc. We, we argue that it therefore must be recognized as a public domain. And of course, there are historical examples, even uh, as recently as the 2008 economic crisis, where at least temporarily we nationalized the banks because their influence, their impact on the public good was too large to be allowed to be left in their in private hands. And this is most certainly the case for Facebook, for Amazon, for uh, Bayer that also owns Monsanto, companies that in many, many uh, cases have been publicly financed. Uh, they claim great uh, innovative uh, power, but Apple products were, were the, the technology, the research on which Apple products were created, for example, was publicly funded research. Amazon would never have existed without the publicly funded postal system. And Facebook wouldn't exist between uh, without us as data workers that share our, um, our data for free on which it builds its economic model. So on all of these levels, uh, we built it as a public domain, even though we don't own it. We worked for it. Now we should own it. This is the, the very the kind of pragmatic uh, claim that our case tries to make. But one step further, and here maybe we, we enter into a more speculative, uh, partially artistic realm, we're talking, we're, we're demanding that, um, that Facebook is not simply um, democratized or put under more states, uh, under more state surveillance, uh, we're asking for it to be collectivized, to become the ownership that we demand users become owners. So the two and a half billion users of the Facebook platform would become its co-owners. This should be the logical consequence of recognizing Facebook as a public domain. And here we come into interesting uh, territory, imaginative territory. How would we govern Facebook? How would we govern Amazon? How would we govern um, uh, Bayer or Apple uh, or other companies which we have publicly funded but never owned before? Uh, is this a way, is this scale at which transnational companies operate? Could this be once in the, in the public control, in people's control, could this open up new pathway of pathways of planetary governance that go beyond the limits of uh, the nation state that is in various ways not capable of confronting the terrifying economic and ecological crisis that we're, that we're facing at this moment. So here our, our, our um, lawsuit hinges, hinges on, these two, on these two feet. It has a, it has a solid foot in, in legal argumentation and precedent. And at the same time, we are trying to open up a space of debate, but also of a kind of imaginative mobilization saying, when we have won, presuming that we will, when we have won, <laughs> how, how, will we, how will we govern together differently? Mm. If I can add one word, I think that discussion, um, uh, the creative part uh, uh, of, the, of the discussion uh, is, is absolutely more than ever necessary also from a legal point of view. Hmm? Uh, and I think the COVID crisis, for example, shows another example of it. Hmm? Uh, uh, many pharmaceutical uh, uh, companies are working now on a vaccine, huh? on, on, on a vaccine and others are working on remedies for... Huh? Actually, I think that should be a common public good. Hmm? It should be made available to all and it should be common... Um, uh, property uh, of all. Hmm? Uh, of course, in the present situation, there is no legal form, no legal uh, formula to, for this. Hmm? Uh, the only real common 
public good is air, hmm? because even water is now more and more privatized. Hmm? Mm-hmm. So, but I, I think again and again, not only with Facebook, but with other other uh, companies, but also with uh, situations like the COVID. Now, we we really uh, run into this kind of of uh, uh, need for creative work, uh, also in the legal in legal uh, branch. Huh? How can we create legal structures of common public goods, publicly controlled, um, collectively controlled uh, uh, economic uh, assets or, or, or uh, new developments, which are of major importance for the whole world, hmm? uh, and which, if they are privately controlled, lead to the consequences we see, for example, with Facebook. And I think that is going to be the, the, the legal discussion, the, the, the legal, the branch where legal creativity is also necessary in the next 10, 20, 30 years, because we're going to need it. Yeah, understood. I think the, <clears throat> the interesting part about the collectivization of Facebook is, is, is perhaps the, the, the key here. Um, and just thinking most, um, most colonial, um, most colonial actors and agents weren't nation states they were companies first um the 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 voc the east india company then they were nationalized by the and as you as you said um jonas the banks were nationalized by the country uh by their respective countries um but they weren't collectivized and do you do you think that um is it possible to use the same legal argument to ask for and demand for the collectivization of the banks, for instance? If collectivization is the sort of, is the end result, it's that, that's the, the, the most um, avant-garde part of the, 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 the thinking, if you like, um, can you apply that collectivization to other things in a legal manner? I think with these on, on a kind of uh, on a cultural level, because in a way what we're discussing yeah. now, we're talking about a legal a legal procedure, but also Jan is, is discussing yeah. when he references the, the legal creativity for the coming decades. Yeah. And we're talking also about a cultural struggle. We're talking yeah. about the struggle over cultural paradigms. And at mm. this moment, we see that the cultural paradigm of private of private property <laughs> and the association of private property with notions of success, innovativity, and a right. Uh, it's, it's, uh, we, don't, uh, we, don't, uh, we don't blame billionaires. We, we hold them up as, as cultural examples of what success and prog- progress means. <laughs> uh, even though these, these, these are the very same people in many cases responsible for the, the economic deprivation and ecological collapse of, of the systems that we, are, that we are trying to inhabit, in which we're trying to create some kind of conditions for a meaningful, for a meaningful form of survival in the near in the near future to come. So, so, so yes, once it, it, in the end, it's a question about where, um, what is, where's the front line? Where do, we, where do we open a space in which suddenly it becomes possible to look at a whole variety of uh, resources and institutions differently? Mm. It could be Facebook, it could be Amazon, it could be the question about, it could have been the question of the, the criminal uh, behavior of banks and their uh, and their role in in uh, in the in the uh, propped up mortgage uh, schemes in the U.S. This already could have been 
the trigger to open up a new a new cultural space and thus also a new space where a new space of political possibility. Mm -hmm. Again, this is let's say my slightly Gramscian approach. We change politics through through culture. We tell culture is powerful because it's about storytelling, and and in storytelling mm -hmm. we open up possibilities. We trigger desires and hopes for other futurities and without such a, an image of the future we can't create that future so we need always in the end every form of, tr of transformative politics relies on a story that is being told at this moment we see that that story is very strongly related to on, on private property and ideas of success and celebrity uh, in on a, a hyper individuated idea we also see strong storytelling on the in the field of ultranationalist and the and the alt right a mythical mm -hmm. return to sovereign nation states that never have existed in in, in the first place and that are now projected <laughs> that are now projected as our common future so i think the question also for people who believe in transformative politics and emancipatory politics whether from the field of of uh, of legal action or or art is what are the stories we are going to tell to, to rethink, to re-world re our world. Mm. From, from the legal point of view, law is by definition actually a conservative instrument huh? because law is about um, established rules uh, of an established order uh, and maintaining that established order. That's the main uh, function of law. But of course, every time important uh, uh, movements of progress appear in society, they do leave some traces in, in law. Hmm? Uh, the um, uh, Universal Declaration of Human Rights uh, was, of course, a reaction towards uh, fascism and, and, and Nazism. And when the Universal Declaration uh, in the preamble refers to the right to rebel against uh, tyranny. It's obviously a reference to the resistance against, uh, against the fascist uh, movement. Uh, in the same way, the two covenants that, in which uh, the right to self-determination is enshrined, as Jonas said previously, are actually reflect the reality of the anti-colonial struggle, hmm? uh, where colonized people fought to have the levers of their own future in their own hands and uh, where internationally actually um, uh, through the decolonization movement that was uh, achieved uh, or at least to some extent achieved but then at the same time there is always uh, that is the, the the progressive emancipatory uh, part of it uh, at the same time it's always a struggle because um, the 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 dominant forces will try to refrain the uh, progressive and emancipatory aspects. For example, the right to self-determination in many cases has become um, neo-colonial domination in many countries <laughs> uh, with a purely formal uh, independence and an economy that is completely dependent and a political uh, class uh, that is completely dependent and controlled by, by, by foreign countries. So that is the struggle. That is, that is a permanent struggle. Uh, but I, I think I have always seen my role as a lawyer, and that's probably why I'm uh, working together with Jonas on this, as, is to try to grab in law the possibilities to make an emancipatory use of, of the law and to actually uh, pull things forward. Hmm? Um, so, and, and law is, 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 there are many contradictions, huh? um, 
the, the, the private property of uh, strategic production means or strategic uh, elements in the economy like the banks is of course uh, uh, um, a break on many other rights. It's a situation where many other rights can't develop as long as banks control um, uh, the economy or the financial capital controls the economy. Now, the same happens with data, uh, companies who are controlling data. So the question is, how can we rely also on law? How can we use law there also as a lever to try to overcome that situation, to formulate new rights, to uh, lift the contradictions between uh, the, the, the advances in law that have been and in the rights that have been uh, enshrined in instruments at some time and the reality which is far from, um, from, from those enshrined rights. Uh, so I think that is the creative emancipatory use of legal uh, instruments and, and legal work. I think it's that's that's very um, it's a very powerful argument. Um, the interesting thing, perhaps, about other things like the Universal Declaration of Human Rights or the Chartist movement, um, the, 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 any progressive movement, to me, looking backwards, seems to have come as a result of, as you say, law is conservative, but when there is a an, a lot of life which disgusts humanity. Um, for instance, um, uh, the, you know, the, the Holocaust, et cetera, et cetera. That's when change might happen legally. Mm -hmm. um, and within your work, you're providing a new possibility for people, a new imagination, an, an imaginary possibility. And is your writ, is, is your writ describing the harm that Facebook is, is doing? Is that where we're going to see the moral, the moral loss of life, if you like, the loss of life in the Philippines? Or is that not able to be crafted as part of your argument? No, I think it's part of the argument, but the yeah. main thing we try to show is how Facebook has taken such a decisive influence that if people want to be uh, in control of their own fates, yeah. that there is a necessity to overcome the present situation, that there is a necessity to reformulate some rules, that there is a necessity to go beyond, uh, to overcome some of the contradictions of law. Hmm? Because yeah. Facebook, of course, says, yes, but we are private owners of this. It's our investment. So we have the right to, to, to do all this. To do we have the you right want. To, huh? that, is, that is the rule enshrined in law of the right to private property of whatever, huh? uh, including of instruments that are decisive for society as a whole. Hmm? Mm. That rule is enshrined in law. At the same time, the rule that people have the right to control their own destinies and have to have control over their own, over the levers of their own future is also enshrined in law. Hmm? Mm. So the question then is how, how do you try to combine these two? How do you try to, of course, now there is a kind of balance where uh, the, the, the right to self-determination is a kind of principle. Everybody will say, yeah, yeah, you have the right to self-determination. No problem, of course. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, in, it's enshrined in the law. But then, okay, how do we make it practical? How do we make it practical in an environment where we at the same time have a rule of uh, private property of essential levers of society? 
Hmm? Well, I think the only way to overcome that is to say we have to redefine those rules in relation to the private property of essential levers of society. These essential levers have to be controlled not by individuals who act out of their own interest. They have to, to be controlled collectively hmm? by, by society as a whole. And if not, then the, the, the right to self-determination will always remain a kind of nice principle, but without the reality behind it. Huh? No. So that is the ongoing fight. And I think this is part of that. This, this case and this discussion is part of that uh, process. I think, Harry, also uh, what, you were, what you were saying when it comes to, let, to the, the affective dimension of injustice, the moment where mm -hmm. we as, as collectives, uh, as a majority, as the 99%, uh, become mm. fully materially, physically aware of of a violence that is that is that is imposed on on a majority. That these are trans that these are transformative moments, and um, and I agree that in the in our in our campaign, this is this should actually be a very important component. Of course, uh, an indictment itself balances between making visible the formal framework through mm. which we can understand, through which we can place and contextualize um, the precarization that we're, that we're going through. But our plan, which was uh, uh, undermined by the, by the pandemic, was that we were going to organize pre-trials across the world. We will still do so, but probably from next year onwards, mm. where we also bring uh, witnesses to testify about the futures that would become possible through a collectivized Facebook but also witnesses who can testify to what does what the day-to-day -day impact of trillion dollar companies are. Think of Amazon workers, for example. Mm. Um, what it means to live or to work in an Amazon gulag on a zero-hour contract under the, per, the perpetual stress of, of absurd uh, inhuman goals that need to be met at every minute through whatever app your life depends on, mm. where you have to shit in your own, in your own pants like Amazon workers wearing diapers because they're not allowed to go to the to the bathroom. These are aspects, of course, that 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 you that need they need to be testified upon. They need to be yeah. <laughs> um, they need to be testified in order to to make them effective. Because justice is not only what is in what is in the possibility of of an interpretation of the law. Justice is what we what we start to understand when injustice is is enacted. Maybe even more than than at any other time. So I think that that was an important remark that you were making. Yeah, it it brings it it brings it to life. It brings it to reality. Um, that that uh, it's dramaturgy as well. You're you're creating pre-trials. That's a, a, a theatrical me mechanism so that people can actually have a forum to talk about this because it's very difficult to to find the the way of find a, a space to discuss this in a in a way because it it doesn't seem relevant. But then it is relevant because there's a court case. So then you need, I think that's a very clever, clever way of pushing it, pushing it forward. And the stress of private property is really, uh, is, is, is really key to, to all um, progressive, um, progressive, I, I think, um, pro progressive issues. I'm, I was just remembering, I wasn't remembering, I was just considering the Peterloo massacre, which is really what gave people the vote in, 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 in uh, the United Kingdom. And the people were massacred there because um, the militia were worried about private property being broken. And then they decided to go, go out. And then it's almost, I can see the same thing almost happening with 
what you're doing in these pre-trials, the stakes, you're raising the stakes. You're raising the, the stakes quite considerably by giving through art and a legal process the possibility for people to discuss and come together and discuss things that are unpleasant, that are, are, are normally shown on Facebook in a Guardian article, but then they're here today and they're gone, to, gone tomorrow. You, you're, we're not, it doesn't focus our minds, whereas this, this will. So when you, when you start these, uh, when are you planning to start the, the pre-trials or is everything on hold because of uh, the, the COVID situation? Well, they, they would have started in, uh, in March this year, but this, that, that obviously bringing people together and creating sense of, of collectivities also has to go hand in hand with protecting the, the common health. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> And uh, con considering the fact that that our our own states um, through the through the pandemic show they show that that they are not able to to make that consideration. Yeah. Uh, they show that that public health um, public health can be prioritized uh, for as long as there are some uh, if if there, for as long as there are some remnant funds, uh, and only for exchange uh, workers will only get public support in exchange for massive corporations being bailed out even even though they're showing their best quarter numbers uh, in yeah. their lifetime like facebook like amazon trillion dollar companies we've become even more um dependent on so i think also in that sense it's, it's important to to pre-enact what we would want how we would want the commons to operate we want that we want public health to be prioritized over economic uh, economic benefits i mean that should be but but even but this is not a given this is not at all a given. This is where we see the, the kind of cultural, the cultural struggle, um, cultural struggle ahead of us. And this is such an internalized, internalized model that even even we as workers might be the ones on, on the first line saying, no, we need to reopen. We cannot hold anymore because we we have become so accustomed to self-governing our own precarious lives uh, instead of calling upon a, a general good a social contract, a, a common purpose. Uh, because there's there are so little examples of that. So of course we want our pre-trials to, in, in that se that sense, also pre-enact the kind of not law, the kind of justice, the kind of social justice we would we would want to see. Uh, but pandemic depending, we hope that that from uh, late from later on this year uh, we have uh, we were planning uh, pre-trials uh, in uh, Berlin, in Rotterdam, in Guatemala City, um, in Copenhagen. Um, and, and in Ljubljana, so we're hoping that we can that we can kickstart kickstart that because it's an important part of the process, not only to uh, introduce the legal arguments, to discuss the possibilities if we win, but it's also the place where we're gathering people to ask them to join the lawsuit. Uh, at this moment, we do it online, but we're asking people to become co-claimants. So by the time we bring the indictment uh, to the uh, Human Rights Court in, in Geneva, we hope to do it with tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of signatures alongside that of us. This is also why we call it a collective action lawsuit. We initiate it, um, but we are in a way not the final authors of it. Uh, and in order to collectivize, we need to be a collective to bring that claim legitimately to the court. So people in, uh, who are listening can get involved and sign up now then. They can ask to, to join and uh, to sign up to be part of the collective action. That's correct. On collectivize.org, there's the full indictment that Jan drafted at this moment in English and in German, but we're going to introduce various translations throughout the coming months. And this is also where you can join the 
if you agree to the argumentation in the indictment where you can join the lawsuits already before the pretrials and that we're planning. So then if, if, if there are enough people from Portobello, then maybe you'd, uh, you'd bring a pretrial there. Um, if <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, <clears throat> well, I, th- I think, you're, Jan, you're going to be, um, we're, we're okay for time, but you've, you have to be back in chambers or, or, or you're um, in... No, I, have, I, I have an, another commitment yeah. about five to ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I suppose we need to, to, to wrap this um, discussion up a, a little. It's been, it's been really, really clear. And it's so, I think this is, um, uh, it's been great to talk to you um, and, and to share what you're doing um, with the listeners here. It's, it's, um, it's very close to, to our hearts. I, I've, I think um, this, this collectivization we're we're a, as as a group we're a new collective um and, and um i think the the ambition of collectivizing facebook is is one that that uh, certainly we all um would would really like to get behind and get involved with um so in terms of we've got the website it's collectivized.org that's it's that simple and you can just read all of the materials um, and everything's on hold at the moment um, because of the pandemic. Um, but during that, it is probably a good time for, for many people to get engaged with it and to sign up. So the more people that get behind it and read it and are aware of it, the, the, more, the more weight there is as you start going to pre-trial. That's great, yeah. Absolutely, and of course, it's uh, it's we have not stopped campaigning because we cannot organize the the pre-trials. We're doing a lot yeah. of interviews, writing articles, uh, finding all the means that we that we can. Often, paradoxically, of course, uh, through exactly the kind of corporate <laughs> giants um, that have that 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 control the means of production of Zoom, of uh, of Facebook, of Twitter. <laughs> And you name it, and and of course this is the whole point. The, mm. Often our first response to to injustice in the corporate field is to say, okay, from a kind of consumer point of view, to say, well, then we have to look for another product. We hope for the open <laughs> open source encrypted ver- variation uh, of uh, of what we're what we're what we're getting now. Um, but these then not to to gain the scale at which these corporate giants uh, do, mm. uh, and that also means that we that this. This immediate response, of course, we always have to think of alternatives, pre-enact alternatives, imagine alternatives, alternatives to our educational system, to our political system. Uh, but at the same time, it is important to, uh, to, to recognize comma, commons or what should be commons that are right in front of our eyes and that we already worked for. And so, so we are asked to make an alternative to something we already subsidized. We already subsidized Amazon. We already subsidized Facebook. We already paid, paid for it and we're working for them on top of everything. <laughs> so, so I think this is this is um, um, so. Even though we are, of course, now forced to campaign through Facebook to collectivize Facebook to to put it kind of uh, to, to to show the, the the awkward contradiction. In some sense, there is not a contradiction. It's a contradiction we're working through because there is something within Facebook that was that was or should have been always public uh, mm. from the from the very beginning. Yeah, that's that's very that's that's a. a very very wise because we do often try and just make our own thing and go away it's like i'm going to make my own zoom or my own whatsapp or my own whatever and it it never works and it's very bold to 
imagine a, a, a version of events where we just take what we've already made anyway. Um, it's, it seems actually now you put it so, so bluntly, it's just logical. Yeah, we shouldn't be deleting ourselves off Facebook. We should be taking it. We should say, well, I'll have it now. Thank you very much. Um, well, uh, that's... that's that sounds uh, like a perfect ending. Yeah, that does sound like a perfect <laughs> ending. <laughs> so uh, let's make lots of extra Facebook accounts as well um, and skew their data a little as um, whilst, whilst we go about it. Well, thank you very much, both of you, for your time. Um, and, and thank you so much for, for spending the time to talk, talk to us today. Um, and yeah, can you just give us the website one more time? We'll also put it on the Facebook page so that as many people as possible can read the action and get involved as well. So it's collectivized.org. Collectivized.org, yep. yes. All right. Um, Jan Furman, Jonas Stahl, thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Cheers. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Portobello Radio. Portobello Radio. Portobello Radio. Portobello Radio.